0: This Rhythms episode is made possible by Bluesfest Melbourne, having its debut in the Victorian capital over the weekend of April 8th and 9th, 2023. For details of all the artists appearing over that weekend, just head to bluesfestmelbourne.com.au. Now, on to the episode. Hi, I'm Brian
1: Wise, editor of Rhythms Magazine, and my guest in this podcast is Robert Glasper, whose latest album, Black Radio 3, recently won him his fifth Grammy Award and his fourth in the R&B category. He won for Black Radio 2, and he was also nominated for the first album in that series. He also won a Grammy in 2017 for his work on the Miles Ahead movie soundtrack i heard him call
2: out i heard him call for his mother and i didn't even call my mother i wanted to avoid talking about the elephant in the room the pig on my neck the devil on detail
1: while he might have won awards for his r&b albums glasper began his career studying and playing jazz working with some notables in new york before pursuing his own music His recording career began in 2004 and he's released 10 albums since, mainly on the famed Blue Note label. Lasper will be out in Australia for Blues Fest in Byron Bay along with Blues Fest Melbourne and dates in Sydney and Brisbane. I caught up with him by Zoom just a couple of days after he attended the Grammys to accept his award and he tells a funny story about someone he went to school with overshadowing him at the awards. You almost had a slight wardrobe malfunction there going up onto the
2: stage. Absolutely. My side of my tuxedo pant had broke earlier, so I put a paper pin, a paper clip—I mean, a a safety pin—in it on the way to the Grammys. And then when I ran, when I was running up to the stage, the safety pin broke off or some shit, so my pants started falling down. It was amazing; everything was happening.
1: You seem genuinely surprised, which surprised me because you've won four Grammys before, but you were a little bit almost lost for words.
2: But I didn't think I was going to win that one because this is the first time I'm going up against like powerhouses of this nature in that category. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've never gone up against a Chris Brown. I, You know, I've gone up against some some dope people, but this was like Chris Brown and Mary J. Blige, and I figured one of them was going to win it. Because Mary, especially, I thought, honestly, Mary, I thought Mary J. was going to win it. Because her record, it was so much press behind it, and it, had to, it, just, it was a movement, and it was, you know, the 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 messaging behind the album and you just saw it everywhere and she was really pushing it and marketing it it was just like a big movement so I figured I'm like Mary's gonna get this one you know what I mean uh, I was I was just happy to be nominated in the category so when they called my name I was like oh snap <laughs> like... <laughs> well well done absolutely I think
1: thank you I think you got all the important thank yous there including your family which was was great
2: <laughs> yeah and that that's what's funny too like people don't realize when you go up there to win a when you win a Grammy, you go up on a stage. Everything just leaves you. Like one time, I brought my phone up, you know, because I, I I wrote my thank yous in my in my notes and I forgot yeah. my code. I forgot the phone code. Like literally, everything leaves you when you go up there. That's why people actually do paper. You know, have a piece. Yeah. Of, you don't remember your phone code. You can just read. But I I so didn't think I was going to win. I didn't think about thank yous. You know this.
1: well well done listen does it make a difference to your career i mean you were you were already very well known before you won your first grammy i guess but what sort of difference does it make to you as a performer and a producer and and that does it really make a big difference
2: um yeah saying i mean it makes a difference in, in every aspect of it because it just puts you at a different tier you know what i mean people respect it's like it's like being a having a favorite B- the basketball team, but when you say when you can put three-time NBA champion behind it, that's that's different. Everything goes up at that point. You know what I mean? So if I can say, "Oh, i am 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 a I'm a I'm a one-time Grammy winner," that's great. But when you hear five-time Grammy winner, yeah. everything changes. You know what I mean? So there there's certain doors you can knock down that you couldn't you can't knock down when you don't have any Grammys. And Then the more you get, the more of a, of a stepping stone you go on top. And when you the, the higher you go, the more people you can bring with you. The more people you can inspire. You know what I mean? The more people, the more the more the, the Grammys themselves open up, especially when someone like me wins like that. It opens up the Grammy door and, and lets people in who are not in a box. You know? Yeah.
1: I wonder what it's like to win 32 Grammys like Beyonce or something Be- like
2: that. Did Beyonce win 32 oh,
1: no You know, I think she's she's up to 32 now at least, over 30. Yeah,
2: she's won the most great. I was there when she got her, when she won that, she when she got the last Grammy to make her the most decorated Grammy winner of all time. So she has the most of all time. And what's crazy is I went to high school with Beyonce. You know what I mean? Really? In Texas? So, in Texas, it, yeah. In Houston, yeah, we went to the same high school. So it's it's crazy, you have to understand my point of view like that, it's like, yo, we were just in the lunchroom singing and, and messing around, playing, you know, now the, you, you have like 98 Grammys, it's crazy. That would be
1: really annoying at a school reunion when you go back with five Grammys and somebody turns up with more than 30 to overshadow
2: you, wouldn't it? It's like, oh, five Grammys, that's adorable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to your life. There's no time.
1: Black Radio 3, of course, in the best R&B category. You mentioned some heavy names there. Can you talk about how R&B has evolved over the decades? Because it's it it's really changed, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I, I feel like, and that's what I was saying before, it opened up a lot. It's not to toot my own horn. But yeah. in general, R&B changed in general just in the world because, you know, so many people are mixing, you know, hip-hop, R&B and jazz together and that that sound has like stretched the R&B world and when Black Radio won the first Grammy for R- uh, R&B album of the year in 2012 that opened the door in the Grammy world a little bit to make like oh okay so R&B doesn't have to be a certain kind of thing Robert Glasser just won it it opened up that door so then you have people great artists like Snarky Puppy Band being in that same category Highest Coyote you know yeah. shout out to Highest Coyote being in a- Category, You know, all these bands, the Internet, uh, all these bands, bands now, because my band, the Experiment, won that Grammy. So now all, the, all, the, all these other bands are being nominated in that category and it's slowly opening the door, opening the door, just making it um, more accessible for people who do music outside of the regular box of R&B to be nominated, which is why, because of Black Radio, they put in a category called progr- progressive R&B. You know what I mean? For okay. R&B music that doesn't sound like the normal, you know, which is normally what I what I'm in, progressive R&B. But they moved it. They because you know when you when you put your 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 album or song into when you submit it to the Grammys, you submit it to where you want it to be. But they have the power to then move it to where they think it should be. So I I, I put my album in progressive R&B, but they moved it to traditional R&B. Right. You know what I mean? Well, you started off playing jazz.
1: Many seems like many years ago, twenty years or so ago, but you don't have too many boundaries in your music anymore, do you? Or you haven't over the years, have you?
2: Yeah, I just know, yeah, because even even when I did my Straight Ahead Jazz, it was my brand of what Straight Ahead Jazz is, and it was, you can hear, if you listen to it all the way through, you can hear the interludes, the hip-hop interludes that I have in there, little bitty snippets of songs in between the jazz songs that lets you know what my vibe is, and then I, those snippets became songs after a while and you know so it was very very like a thing that grew you know but but i've always you know depending on what i'm trying to do because i have you know sometimes i want to make just a jazz record and i've done that and sometimes i want to make a jazz record that has overtones of hip-hop and overtones of r&b i've done you know so there's different shades different colors all kinds of things you know um when i want to blur you know but my my natural thing is to just be me one and and it's just it's everything you know what I mean? So it's like, it's just like a, it's like a painting, you know, it's like that painting behind you, kind of, you know, it's like. <laughs>
1: um, it's, it was interesting to see the celebration of the 50 years of hip hop, because you tend to forget just how incredibly influential that music is and how important it is
2: in America, how big it is. Absolutely, absolutely, so important. And I'm I'm a child of, of hip hop and I've been blessed to, and, and on the, on you know, on the Grammy show, they did, The Roots did the 50th anniversary, Um, and when I first went to New York, I was playing with the roots for years. You know what I mean? I was, I was pretty much a root. I was in the band. (laughs) And I was playing for years. So that's how I really learned how to play hip hop, playing with the roots and all their special guests. And then, I, you know, also being in the studio with Q-Tip and Common and, you know, Most Def and all these different art, being in the studio with Jay Dilla, you know what I mean? Being at his house and jamming with him and stuff like that. So I've, I went to the hip hop school with some pretty good teachers. You know what I mean?
1: Where did it start? I mean, they when they talked about Grandmaster Flash, of course. Everybody cites that. They, they're kind of earlier antecedents to, to, from your knowledge? Hip-hop? Mm.
2: In the Bronx. In the, in the Bronx? Bronx, for sure. And hands down. It started in the Bronx. They would throw these parties and DJs. It was really about the DJ. The DJ was the, the main thing. Now the, there was a DJ, and then there was a person that was the hype man. And so the DJ would... Cut these break beats, find the find the part in the record where it's just the beat and no lyrics or anything and just repeat that part, right? And then the the, the master of ceremony, who is like the hype man, the MC, would say little phrases, give it up for DJ so and so so you know, and hype up the DJ while the DJ made that kept looping that thing and that's kind of that that's literally where hip-hop came from and then the the master ceremony would start saying more things to hype up the dj but make longer phrases is dj so-and-so in the room everybody put your hands up you know what i mean that that's literally how it started and that started in the, in the bronx and so yeah. what
1: year are we talking about we mentioned grandmaster flash so what year would it be
2: back the early 70s that, that first part was 1973 at a party in the bronx master flash's little sister that's where that very Thing first started and then it started sprinkling and going through the years but by the late 70s it became like this is the, this is the thing that everybody's doing in the late 70s
1: we're really looking forward to seeing you out in australia how's the performance going to work who are you bringing with you what are you going to be doing
2: I'm bringing um my bassist Bernice Travis, my drummer Justin Tyson and my DJ Jahi Sundance. And we're gonna be doing a plethora of things
0: like we need a change
2: I haven't been to Australia in a very long time, and so I keep my set list open. I don't really have a, a set set list that I play everywhere. You know what I mean? I kinda know one or two songs and then I just read the room and figure out the rest of the songs, you know. So yeah, yeah. I keep it I keep it loose. It also helps me have fun by not knowing what's gonna happen the whole time. So it could be anything. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm playing keyboards. That's where that's the that's the one thing I do. That's the best thing I do
1: anyway. <laughs> I was lucky enough to talk to Don Woz a couple of years ago. He is a big nice. he
2: is a big fan of yours. Oh, man. I'm a big fan of his, vice versa. Don's my guy. I love Don. I love working with him. He's a great, great guy and great producer.
1: I was looking at the video of the R plus R equals now uh, video that you did with Don, where he introduced all the musicians. And then after he'd introduced you all and mentioned you what you'd done, he said, that's it. We haven't got time for it anymore. It's an amazing collection of
2: musicians. <laughs> exactly. I'll just—that was so killing. I'll just like respond. To Responding.
1: It. And then, okay. Are we likely to see uh, that project again?
2: R plus uh, R, probably so. As a matter of fact, we—I just had a conversation with my manager of maybe revisiting that project because we all want to do it. That project was just hard to tour because it's—it's—it's. It's, it's, everybody has their own tours. It's a. You know, the whole band is a, each person is an artist. You know what I mean? So it's kind of dealing with five different schedules and dealing with all those things. But, you know, it's very possible we'll go in and do something so else for sure. i not to be in last place. Lost control of my soul. Goes misplaced. Slave to the big face. I thought it never happened. Especially when I came to free my people when I started rapping. My own contradiction to the mission. The label helped me to submission. Had to tap out. I seen the light and walked towards it for a nigga blacked out. Lost black child with clip wings. Bet they flap now free as a bird got no straps now anybody freedom the made i put it in these now my independence day set fire.
1: hey it was interesting that it was inspired by Nina Simone originally because uh, mm-hmm. you wor- you worked on the Nina Simone revisited album but this, what an incredible personality
2: someone whose legend is just keeps growing doesn't it absolutely it does and that's literally where we got the name reflects so the Nina has a phrase that she said, how can you be an artist and not reflect the times? Mm-hmm. Like our job is to reflect the times. That's what we supposed to do. Reflect what's happening now. You should be able to tell what's happening now by the artists that are alive right now. You know, some artists are reflecting a time period that no longer exists. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, well, the people who are reflecting the time now, that's, that's the making of history. That's what history is. You can't have history without now. You know what I mean? One does the one has to coincide with the other. Um, and that, that's where we get the name for it from. You no, know, so it's like we R plus R is um reflect and respond. So reflect what's happening now and respond to now, how you feel. I'm back riding, I'm back frying the Stally Mill. To put it in your face for the ones that's trill. Niggas talk about real like it's something real. Well, I've yet to grab a hold of it, and me, I'm the only one close to it.
0: This Rhythms episode is made possible by Bluesfest Melbourne, having its debut in the Victorian capital over the weekend of April 8th and 9th, 2023. For details of all the artists appearing over that weekend, just head to bluesfestmelbourne.com.au. All right, let's get back to the conversation.
1: One more thing I'd like to ask you about if you've got just time for a minute. Another Grammy you won was for the Miles Ahead soundtrack yeah. that you worked on. And I have to say I was lucky enough to see Miles perform a few times. I would say that he is the coo- he was the coolest musician on the planet. He is like the oh, coolest.
2: He's still the coolest. <laughs> I always say the epitome of a walking middle finger. If a middle finger was a person, <laughs> for sure. And you got, to sure. work,
1: you got to work with Wayne Shorter and Herbie Hancock on that project and Gary Clark Jr. But you got to work with them, you know, people who work with Miles, compose your own music as well. That must have been an yep. amazing experience.
2: It was super amazing. And just, you know, I love to learn. I love to listen. You know, when so when masters like that are around, my favorite part was just being in the back room while they're sitting together talking while they're talking and just me just sitting there on the side taking it all in. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that priceless. The music is great, but the banter behind the scenes and the stories and their talking is, is, is even better. <laughs> you know, and that's something that you're you know, everybody can't say they're lucky to have the been a you know, to witness that stuff you know what i mean so it was it was it was a great experience for sure oh, shout out to don Chi yeah
1: yeah but well, what an incredible film it, it, it's it's kind of controversial in, in a way but uh certainly the music was fantastic
2: oh of course yeah of course i know don was reaching for some stuff you know what i mean trying to do something because there's it's miles davis and there's so many there's so many documentaries on miles davis and this david not miles davis that he was just trying to do something out of the box and weird and different and you know and you know what's funny is when you watch Miles Ahead, there's that. Now watch the Elvis Presley movie. Yeah. It's the same shit. It's the same concept. You know, there's like hip hop and shit you know, in the Elvis Presley movie. There's all these it's the way he shot it, it, the way they shot that, that's what Don was going for back then, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To shoot it like that, you know. <laughs>
1: It's interesting hearing all those albums. Sort of, uh, I know it's the 50th anniversary of Nefertiti uh, was last month, and um, you know when you listen to the albums like Jack Johnson and Bitches Brew and In a Silent Way, how contemporary they still sound. It's incredible, isn't
2: it? Absolutely, absolutely. And the thing about Miles is too, I think his his music sounds more contemporary than most cats. They sound contemporary because Miles uh, purposely wanted to use young cats, young guys. You know what I mean? The young guys, because they have the fresh ideas. You know what I mean? They were going to play the fresh stuff, the fresh stuff. Most guys in that world, in, in in most in most genres of music, they're they're using people their age. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, well, I'm forty, so I'm, my band's going to be forty. But Miles is like, no, I'm forty-five, and my rhythm section is going to be nineteen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and. And that's why his music, it, it lives longer. It it's, sounds timeless because he just had, and everybody he used ends up being a fucking genius. So he, he just had a, a thing for really knowing who, who to pick and who to have behind him, you know? Hey.
1: when you listen to those albums and hear what Teo Macero did in the production and cutting things up and everything it's not that much different from what you you do is it in a way
2: no i mean that's i'm a product of all that stuff you know i'm literally a product of that stuff all that stuff has influenced me you know so i'm just doing my version of things that have happened already and just using it i'm just doing my version my honest true version of that of my influences you know that's the only thing I can do and maybe I'll stumble across some innovation right. you know <laughs> and, and, and while doing that you know
1: I think you already have <laughs> hey this has been fantastic to talk to you thank you very much for your time you have a great trip over Robert really looking forward to seeing you here see you later
2: alright bro thanks for time
1: The amazing sounds of Miles Davis and his ensemble from the album Bitches Brew, released in 1969. And the selection John McLaughlin, which naturally enough features John McLaughlin on guitar. An incredible collection of musicians and an amazing era in Miles Davis's career. And we were talking to Robert Glasper, our guest this week on the podcast, who worked on the Miles Ahead soundtrack album. And we heard some of Robert's own work, Because he was talking about his Grammy Award-winning album, Black Radio 3, as well as other aspects of his career. We heard Reflect and Reprise from his project R&R Equals Now and some tracks from Black Radio 3, that Grammy Award winner, Out of My Hands featuring Jennifer Hudson, Everybody Wants to Save the World. You'll be familiar with that song, performed by Layla Hathaway, Donny Hathaway's daughter, in tune from Amir Suleiman and High featuring india re well i hope you enjoyed the podcast this week robert glasper will be in australia in april touring and appearing at blues fest hope you can join me on the next rhythms podcast if you want to know anything more about rhythms just go to the website rhythms.com.au
0: This Rhythms episode is made possible by Bluesfest Melbourne, having its debut in the Victorian capital over the weekend of April 8th and 9th, 2023. For details of all the artists appearing over that weekend, just head to bluesfestmelbourne.com.au.